who stumbled upon this first episode, I want to welcome you to my podcast, Nympho's Shame Pit. I am your host, Megan Monet. Do we like the intro music? I've been feeling so nostalgic for my month in Spain last year with my sugar daddy, his wife and her sugar baby. I need a little Latin music to get me in the mood to record this episode. (laughs) So this being the first episode, I think it's only right to introduce myself and my story. About a year ago, I made a pretty life-changing friend to whom I like to refer to as Mr. Investor. (laughs) I was living overseas pursuing a career in acting, which, if you don't already know, is a fucking hard industry to crack into, but being my delirious and, quote, from my own mother, narcissistic self... I dropped everything to move across the world and start auditioning full-time, hoping to make my big break. (laughs) Well, okay, I shouldn't say I dropped everything because I did in fact graduate from university with a bachelor's degree in film, so go me, I can actually complete something. (laughs) After I graduated, I was working at a casino for about six months and partying any chance I could. After finishing school and making my family proud, I was finally able to make some pretty important decisions of my own about where I wanted to take my life. So I come from a family of very academic, dare I say, normal people. I'm not that. Never have been. Never will be. I am an artiste, an aspiring muse, I'd like to think. I actually have a crazy story about being a photographer's muse in Madrid, so I'll have to share that with you at some point. So I booked a one-way ticket to Vancouver. I signed with an acting agency and got down to auditioning immediately. Before I went over, I'd probably taped three at most self-tapes and just a heap of school theatre and acting classes outside of school. But now, looking at my self-tape album on my desktop, I have around... 300 self-tapes under my belt. So after three years in the biz, which that's air quotations because I'm not really in the biz at all yet, I can confidently say that I am a professional at acting in front of a ring light. Wait, where was I? I, I, This was meant to be a story about how I met Mr. Investor. So I was at a sex party, you know, one of those parties people attend where they wear nothing more than a couple strings of lace and a colored wristband to indicate their interest. I wore yellow. What? I was nervous. I wasn't ready for green. It was my first sex party. I attended with a couple of my queer friends, just trying to explore my sexuality, but we can get into that a little later. So there I am roaming the red velvet corridors of this steamy sex party. I happen upon a man sitting very cheerfully in the corner, just observing the action. I've been listening to a lot of erotic fiction audiobooks, so pardon my dramatic description. I just want to make it sound sexy, okay? So I make an introduction with my friend and we get to talking. He has a pretty iconic accent. English is his second language and his voice was husky, like he'd been smoking for years. I know now he isn't actually a smoker, so I I do often wonder how it got that way. I give him the whole spill about what I'm doing, living in Vancouver, and he tells me what brought him to Vancouver and we just bond over our somewhat of a comparative immigration status to Canada. It was, it was cute. I mean, if you ever travel and you meet people who are also traveling, Like, you just, there's an instant bond there. There's an instant connection. So, 
I go home with him and we spend hours together talking, making love, smoking weed, and just finding this really special connection. So it turns out he's a billionaire. And a generous one at that. Just ask all my other friends that he now invests in too. (laughs) After all this talk, he decides there on the spot that he wants to invest in me. I mean, what does that even mean, right? That means he wants to send me monthly monetary gifts so I can quit my two jobs that I was juggling so I can just focus on auditioning and writing screenplays. He also offered to help me further my education. I mean, that's crazy, but I mean, I am worth that. Let's be real. For months, we just party together. I introduce him to my friends and we take private jets to Vegas and he adorns us in designer shoes and jewelry and handbags and oh god it's just a fucking wild time. Oh I should probably mention he is married. I've met his wife. She is fucking incredible. But more on that later. Six months into our relationship and just as my visa for Canada expires he invites me on the adventure of a lifetime. All expenses paid trip to Europe. We start in France and make our way through the Burgundy wine regions on a barge in the canals, stopping at the most iconic, world-renowned known vineyards. We, we make it to the south for a weekend in Saint-Tropez and then to Monte Carlo for his yacht show, which was pretty much just a place for billionaires to party. Hard. I actually reunited with a couple of my friends from university who were living in Europe at the time and they flew over to join the party and it was just, oh my god, it was just an insane weekend. Then we went straight to Spain. Barcelona, Madrid, Cordoba, Sevilla, Granada. (laughs) Oh my god, just an intense, intense holiday. I can't wait to get into more stories about each individual of those cities. We then followed that with Italy, Portofino and Florence. Fl- I can't, I can never do that with an Italian accent. Hold on. Florence, Florence. I think I got it. Okay. It was fucking stunning. I just played this character of a European heiress flying around in private jets and helicopters, eating at Michelin star restaurants every night, drinking stupidly expensive wine and and slumbering at these iconic luxury hotels all through the continent. Like, what the fuck kind of life did I just get thrusted into? Sorry, pardon the pun. (laughs) I forgot to mention that his wife was of course there and she had her own friend along for the ride. He can only be described as, hmm, how can I put this? The gay alcoholic, chain-smoking comedian of the foursome. If you're listening, I'm sorry, but am I wrong? You're a really funny guy. You are. The whole time he was dealing with relationship drama with his boyfriend back home. So, you know, we bonded over that. I just, I tried to keep him present and in the party mood. I do think he was bitching about me to Mr. Investor's wife, but you know what? All is forgiven. My spontaneous impulsivities can be a lot to handle sometimes. You need a vent. I get it. It's fine. He didn't come from exuberant wealth either. Um, I think they all met each other uh, when he was hired to work on their yacht in Vancouver. So he and I, we helped each other out on the trip when our mouths were too agaped and we needed reminding to pick it up off the floor. <laughs> like, act cool, dude. Act cool. This is chill. Like, we've, we've done this before. Like, whatever. 
it's no big deal. <laughs> Just getting all these like private tours around the city. It's fine. It's chill. Oh my god, the stories with the the tour guides on the private tours. Oh my god, there's just so much to get into. So, at the end of the trip, I was um, I was gifted a ticket to my chosen city, which was Amsterdam, for reasons of certain substance legalities. What? I've been living in Vancouver for the past two years. I'd become a stoner. <laughs> I was also gifted some cash to fund the next few months of traveling where my adventures continued. I reconnected with friends from Vancouver who flew over to party in London and I went on so many dates. Well, because, you know, Mr. Investor and I, we weren't exclusive. I mean, he was married, so obviously I'm gonna date people. Then met up with a few more friends in Paris and Stockholm, which was amazing. It was starting to get really cold at this point and oh my God, the Stockholm leg of the trip was just, it was so lovely. I felt like I was with like beautiful, cozy family. Anyway, so I eventually decided after all that to come back to the States. Um, I parked up in LA for a couple of months, just digesting the entire experience. The new year came around and Mr. Investor was still supporting me. I know, I can't believe I didn't drive him away like I usually do when I'm dating someone. So I flew back to Australia where I, I actually had a pretty big burnout, just a massive dip in self-worth and confidence. Because, you know, after all that travel, I'd managed to avoid COVID entirely. But the moment I stepped foot back in Australian soil, bam, I come down with a spicy cough. And the reason why I want to tell a little bit about this story, because I just don't think there's been enough discussion about the long-term mental health effects that COVID has had on a few individuals. And I'm kind of hoping that maybe this will be you know, helpful for other people to hear my, you know, side of the story with all of this. So, you know, COVID completely knocks me out. Even to this day, I still have some type of brain fog. Like my mind just doesn't work like it once did. I can't retain new information and make memories like I used to. I'm getting panic attacks all the time. Um, my critical thinking is impaired. I have some type of imposter syndrome when I don't fully recognize myself in the mirror. Like, I know life is happening and it's real, but I seriously feel like I'm in some type of a dream state. I know that sounds a little crazy, but it's the only way I can describe it. And I, I, I mean, I can't be the only one going through this. I need to be hearing some more discussions about this because it's so unsettling and isolating. I come back to Australia and I got right back into auditioning. I started illustrating an NFT range with the help of this crypto king guy I went on a couple dates with, but I mean, he ended up ghosting me, but like, you know, I, I just tell everyone that I ghosted him, but he actually ghosted me. Ouch. So now I just have this album of digital illustrations that are pretty fucking cool, but I don't even know what to do with them because I got halfway through making them and I'm the artist. I mean, I have no fucking clue how to sell these or even market them. Anyway, I've had a few, I've had a few pretty good ideas what I'm going to do with them though. So stay tuned for that. So at this point I was living in Sydney, miserable, smoking weed most days, missing the shit out of the incredible family I'd found in Vancouver and just trying to numb myself from this day to day drag, waiting for my big acting break or some type of meaning to all of this. I gave Sydney a go and it was shit. I couldn't find my place there. I thought about getting a job and finding a community, but I didn't financially need one. And I've 
never had to work a minimum wage job when it wasn't for the money. So if you know, which you probably do, I mean, most people come up from hospitality or retail or something. Minimum wage is back-breaking, emotionally draining work. With auditioning, I had to be available at a drop of a hat when or if I book something, you know, I need to make it to an audition. So casual minimum wage work where there's no contract is the best thing to do. That's why most actors side hustle with bartending, waitressing, being a barista or a, I don't know, a sales assistant. I don't know. I hope that I was able to articulate this strange situation I was in, but I just, I just didn't need or I didn't have the desire to get back into work which means I lost an entire aspect of building a community which I do regret looking back on now um if I had my time again I would have dived straight into straight into it and gotten a job and find a community but anyway here we are now I made that mistake life moves on so you know I'd become pretty lazy the fatigue and the brain fog didn't help either also this post-pandemic world, you know, can really fuck with your work ethic. Or, I mean, it really fucked with mine, at least. I used to work so much. One time I went and did my shift at a clothing store for like 10 hours, then went and taped an audition, then went and met up with Mr. Investor, who that night gifted me a life-changing amount of cash. So the thought of working a $12 an hour and making $80 that day at my job just to be gifted this in one moment, I mean, of course, my work ethic had been shaken. Maybe it was the laziness or pride, but my priorities had shifted and this imposter syndrome had me feeling like I almost cheated the system a little bit. Whereas I feel like if I was a man, like, I wouldn't be feeling this guilt or shame about having cheated the system a little bit. But, you know, I'm, I'm an empathetic woman. I can, I feel it. <laughs> Another thing that I was going through, in Sydney, I had people in my ear telling me to fuck that idea of getting a job, you know, if I'm being supported by Mr. Investor, just focus on making your art, which I was like, fuck yes, thank you, that's exactly what I'm thinking too. At the same time, I had people in my ear telling me to shut up, don't talk about my life and Mr. Investor, that it was morally wrong and I should be ashamed of myself which when new friends tell you this and you're trying to fit into a new city, it can really shake your confidence. I felt so embarrassed and dirty. You know, I just had so much shame. I had no flourish of creative ideas for months, which has never happened to me. <laughs> I've always had a project to work on, but I just felt dead inside. I genuinely remember being on a group chat with my Vancouver friends and I said I just need to numb out the next eight months until I can move back to Vancouver and be with you all. My friend reminded me in that moment that that is no way to live, that I would just be taking up space, that I have so much to offer and I should be making the most of every day. So at this point it's been six months since moving back to Australia and you know I've accomplish nothing except maybe I did accomplish slipping into a pretty deep depression I read this book by Otessa Moshveg I hope I pronounced her name right but um it's called my year of rest and relaxation hence the title of this episode so it's this story about 
a beautiful, privileged woman living in New York pre-9-11, and she's totally fucking miserable. She has no family, no responsibilities, nothing but this desire to sleep. She meets with this quack doctor who prescribes medication for her insomnia, which she actually doesn't have. She just wants to sleep. So she's prescribed Vicodin, Ambien, Xanax, and her goal is to just sleep for the entire year or until she is able to completely erase her past and start again. I've never interacted with a form of literature or art like I have with this novel. It hit me so deeply right in my heart, I felt mortified. I felt disgusted with myself. For the past six months, I've been living in my own year of rest and relaxation. I mean, I wasn't popping prescription sleeping pills, but I've certainly been self-medicating to numb my mind from feeling the time pass. I recall this moment where I didn't want to make any more new memories for fear of forgetting the most incredible year of my life in Vancouver and having these once-in-a-lifetime experiences. Like, I was scared that if I made new memories, I would forget everything, which is so fucking delusional. So I don't know if I'm getting any better. I'm just fed up with feeling this way. It's exhausting and hard work trying to sleep for a year. You know, this has been bottled up for so long and it's it's pretty fucking cathartic telling my story. So cathartic, in fact, that while recording this, I just booked a flight to LA for Pride, which is in 10 days. I have no idea what my plan is during or after. I guess I'll just keep auditioning and writing my TV show about the whole Vancouver sugar baby lifestyle I was living. Anyway, I have a suitcase to pack. Thank you for listening to my first episode. You can expect many more crazy stories about my sugar baby lifestyle. I have interviews lined up with some of my most interesting friends who are self-proclaimed nymphomaniacs, sex workers, artists, professional partiers in LA, and, and so much more. This was episode one of Nympho's Shame Pit. Thank you for listening.